Let's begin this morning as we head to God's word in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So given our text this morning, I had to do it. I searched hashtag blessed on my social media feed. Some of you may not be very social media savvy. Um, I've seen this blessed, blessed hashtag quite a bit, and you would too if you were on social media. It's, it's on my feed quite a bit. It's become a common tag, a, a, a way to identify certain pictures and statuses and captions so other people can see them. Immediately on my feed, these are some of the things that popped up. I found a photo of a dog under a blanket on a couch with the caption, Sleepy Day, hashtag blessed. Next, I saw a photo of a musician that I know in a very trendy outfit with the caption, Huge show tonight, come out and see me, hashtag blessed. And then lastly, a former student showing off a new haircut with the simple hashtag blessed. Jessica Bennett of the New York Times wrote an article uh, about a year ago on the blessed, hashtag blessed phenomenon, this kind of hashtag that's, that's blown up. And she said this, calling something blessed has become the go-to term for those who want to boast about an accomplishment while pretending to be humble while pretending to fish for a compliment or acknowledge a success without sounding too conceited or purposely eliciting envy. Blessed, which should mean divine or supremely favored, is now used to explain that coveted TED Talk invite as well as to celebrate your grandmother's 91st birthday. The overuse of this word has all but stripped it of its meaning. But this is a word that should not be stripped of its meaning for us today, especially if we're going to be faithfully listening to the words in Matthew chapter 5, where the text records eight blessings in, in poetry form, nine total, and they are called the Beatitudes after the Latin word beatus, which means saintly or blessed. In these eight Beatitudes, Jesus paints a very, very different picture than the blessing that we see on social media with the hashtag blessed. I slotted this text into our series months ago, knowing that the application of this text could speak to our consumer culture, which is what our sermon series is all about in Lent. But then I kind of wished I had given this text to one of my colleagues, because it seemed kind of boring, to be honest with you. But I'll tell you, the deeper I went into this text, I found this text to be radical and deeply challenging for me, and I think for our church and our community. I'm still wrestling this morning, I'll be honest, with what it means for me. But I'm excited to read this text with you today, and hopefully it can sharpen all of us. So let me set, set the stage for you. The Beatitudes are the beginning of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually not a sermon. It's a collection of Jesus' most popular and well-known teachings. Think of it as a, a greatest hits album. And it spans three chapters in Matthew. It's also in Luke, but, but more fully in Matthew. Instead of calling this the Sermon on the Mount, John Mark Comer prefers Jesus' manifesto for a whole new way to be human in the inbreaking reality of the kingdom of God. 
That's too long to be catchy, right? Uh, but I think he's right, and he's done some really wonderful work on this manifesto, and I'm going to lean heavily on him later in this sermon. This manifesto mostly follows the Ten Commandments, and it touches on a lot of different moral imperatives for us, uh, topics like adultery and money and murder and hypocrisy, anxiety, prayer, judging other people. A lot of really heavy, kind of practical stuff for us. But I think it's worth noting that before telling us what we need to do and what our behavior needs to be and how we're supposed to live, Jesus begins, at least in Matthew's gospel, he begins with blessing. He begins with the Beatitudes. And I think Matthew is saying something profound by doing this. Blessing is not conditional upon what we do. It's there at the beginning, and Jesus offers blessing freely. So Jesus sees these crowds, and he goes to a hillside, and he gathers his disciples, and he begins to teach them. And he begins with these blessings you can see here. What a provocative way to begin. The Greek word here for blessed is markarios, markarios, a word that is used frequently in in both Hebrew and and pagan literature at the time. Um, Obviously different words in those languages, but the same concept. It's a word that's really tricky for us to translate, markarios, because we don't have a one-to-one easy equivalent for it in our English language. Most translations use that word blessed, which is okay, but it's important for you to know that Markarios is not the word that scripture uses to talk about God blessing his people. When it says God's divine blessing on people, when God blesses people, bless the Lord, O my soul, that is not this word. It's another word entirely. So some translators have, have tried some other methods here. They've tried happy. You'll see that in some of your translations. Happy are the meek, but there are problems with that, especially in our English language and all that comes along with being happy, right? It's not a word that has a lot of depth to it. Some use the word fortunate, but then it sounds like we're kind of talking about luck, right? Like this is some sort of gambling here that we're talking about, and that's not really helpful for us. You see, markarios is tricky because it's, it's not actually a word so much as it is a salutation, a way that back in that day you would have greeted somebody. So when something good would happen in somebody's life, the birth of a child, a, a new job, you were healed from some sort of illness... Somebody would greet you and would go, Markarios, Markarios, congratulations. Fortunate are you, blessed are you. It was a salutation. So Jesus uses this word Markarios eight times in this teaching as a salutation. But what follows is not exactly what you would expect from such a salutation. Congratulations to the poor in spirit. Congratulations to those who mourn. Fortunate are the meek. And those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Happy are the merciful and the pure in heart. The peacemakers, the persecuted, the hated. I've read these so many times throughout my life, growing up in the church my whole life, that that they can lose power for me, right? That this, this word can be stripped of its meaning. But if you're reading or hearing this for the first time this morning, or really diving into it for the first time, I wouldn't blame you if you thought that Jesus was out of his mind. Because it is a bit of a crazy idea. And the idea of of these people that he's talking about being blessed or congratulating them has led to this passage being continually misread and misinterpreted because we go, that can't be true. That can't be right. 
So let's eliminate a few possibilities of, of how to understand these Beatitudes first before we tell you what they are. First, the Beatitudes are not a list of virtues. Not a list of virtues. This is where my mind goes first when I read this. Well, the, the poor in spirit must be those who, who recognize their need for God and, and the people who mourn must be those who are sensitive to the fallenness of humanity and the fallenness and sin of this world. And the meek, well, those are those who, who show restraint and, and, and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they must be those who, whose hearts are really, really striving for God, right? I make them virtues. But none of these work because this is not a list of virtues. The word Jesus uses for poor in the Beatitudes is the word for abject destitution or poverty. And then he adds poor in spirit. What does that mean? Well, that's what Dallas Willard calls a spiritual zero, someone who has nothing to offer spiritually. Blessed. Congratulations. Those who mourn, they're not mourning their sin or fallenness or the fallenness of this world. They're actually just the heartbroken people. Those who are experiencing loss, those who are depressed, those who are at their very end. The meek, they're actually those who are oppressed, who can't get out of the cycle of oppression. Those who have no power, no agency, no way to get out of where they are. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, are not those who in their hearts are striving for God. They're the ones who are really, um, in, in their hearts, they want a relationship with God, with themselves, with, with other people, but they are, they're too messed up to get their stuff together. They just can't do it. They're just too messed up. Do we all know someone like that in our lives? Are any of these good things? <laughs> Is it good to be poor or grieving or messed up or oppressed? No. These are not things that we ought to be striving for. Now, there are some things that we could read as virtues on this list. The last four are, are, are a little more virtue-based. The merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, uh, even those who are persecuted. But even not all of these are fully virtuous. For example, remember Jesus is speaking to a group of, of Jews who are under Roman oppression. They're likely taxed at upwards of 80% where they are. And they're living in poverty in, in the northern area there of Galilee, that, that, this poverty that's been imposed by foreign rulers. So being a peacemaker, we read that as virtuous. But it would not have been virtuous to the crowds that Jesus was talking to. To be a peacemaker would be to betray your community and, and even your God. To be a peacemaker, you're a traitor if you're making peace with Rome. There's a lot more to say here, but suffice it to say that the Beatitudes do not work on a whole as a virtue list. Second thing it's not is it's not a list of commands. So often we want the Bible just to tell us what to do, and, and, and so we say, okay, I, I will work on becoming poor or meek or persecuted, and then I'll receive God's blessing because Matthew 5 told me so. But we know that God does not want these things for us. It's not his design for us. Remember, markarios is, is, is a salutation which means it's not a command. It's not go and do this. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Third, it's not a list of just wise truisms that have been compiled together. Do the meek typically inherit the earth? No. The meek very seldom run the world. Do the merciful always receive mercy? No. 
Read about our brothers and sisters in Somalia or Iran or, or Eritrea or India. These merciful ambassadors for Jesus do not often find mercy. <laughs> they find imprisonment and beatings and, and death. No, the Beatitudes are not true phrases that are kind of universally true for us, truisms. So if, if the Beatitudes are, are, are not these things, then what are they? If they're not virtues or commands or truisms, what are they? Well, I think it's Jesus showing us the way of blessing in the kingdom of God, the way blessing works in the kingdom of God. Not in the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of God, which is really what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. I define the kingdom of God as the place and people who recognize Jesus as their king and they live like it, placing everything under Jesus' lordship and authority in their lives. That's the kingdom of God. And the message of the Beatitudes is that the kingdom of God, in this kingdom, blessing doesn't come from being rich or righteous or put together or powerful. Instead, God says, you're poor, you're oppressed, you're persecuted, you're messed up, you're screwed up. You are no further from God's blessing or less deserving of God's blessing. In fact, Markarios, celebrate. Because God's blessing is available to you right now. The kingdom of God is open to you. And this is why the Beatitudes are so meticulously placed at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, this manifesto. It begins with blessing, markarios, a welcome. And then, only after that blessing, only after the invitation into the kingdom of God, come the teachings on how to live and what to do and how to function and how to behave in this kingdom of God. Now, I recognize that that feels decidedly backwards in our hashtag blessed society. But guess what? It was actually backwards in Jesus' society as well. We're not all that different. We might feel like 2019 has all these extra layers, and in some ways it does, but we are not that different. It was just as radical or even more radical when Jesus was saying it. I want to do a comparison here. We're going to compare Matthew 5 with, a, with an extra-biblical writing from the book of Sirach, uh, a Jewish writing that came a little over a century before Jesus, uh, a writing that you can find actually in your Catholic Bible if you have one, something that we uh, believe not to be authoritative but kind of interesting and helpful for us in our tradition. Sirach chapter 25, verses 7 through 11, says, using this equivalent of Markarios, uh, a, a different type, see this as a, as a different type of Beatitudes, okay, an earlier Beatitudes. It's up here on the screen for you. Let me read through this. I can think of nine whom I would call blessed, and a tenth if my tongue proclaims. A man who can rejoice in his children. Right away, where does my brain go here? I can't help but think of the hashtag blessed caption under pictures with perfect kids, right? All put together. Um, if, if, if I'm blessed if my kids are put together and, and they're smiling and they're well-dressed and they actually look at the camera when, when, I'm, when I'm snapping the picture of them. <laughs> a man who lives to see the downfall of his foes. A man who lives to see the downfall of his foes. Blessed are the winners, right? We hear that all the time. Hashtag blessed. To come out on top in business or sports or, or anything competitive to win, Right? is a blessed life. Happy is the man who lives with a sensible wife. I don't even want to touch this one. <laughs> but if we think about it this way, blessed if my spouse is everything that I could dream they would possibly be, right? 
And the one who does not plow with ox and donkey together. Now, this one might be a little strange, but the idea here is that you have good business acumen, that you work smart and you don't have to work too hard, right? You've got the right balance between, between work and play, and you're just, you don't have to work too hard because you're, you're smart in business. Happy is the one who does not sin with the tongue. You're blessed if you're well-spoken. You've got good things to say. Your tweets are always so witty. The one who is not served and inferior, you run the show. In fact, you're blessed if other people have to serve you, right? Happy is the one who finds a friend. Look how many followers I have. How many people consider me to be a friend? You're hashtag blessed if you're not lonely. And the one who speaks to, an attentive, to attentive listeners Hashtag blessed if people want to hear what you have to say. People come to you and follow you and, and want to hear what you have to say. How great is the one who finds wisdom? People come to you for advice. They come to you for good thoughts. You have, you have so many good thoughts, you have thoughts to spare. And then there's this last line here. But none is superior to the one who fears the Lord. It's kind of like a throwaway line, isn't it? It's a throwaway line at the end, even if it's sort of well-intentioned. And I look at Sirach's list here from, from his, his writing, chapter 25, and it looks pretty good in 2019, doesn't it? It looks like a pretty well-curated life in some ways. It's sort of like the ideal social media feed. I mean, this is the epitome of being hashtag blessed. In our consumer culture, people are striving and and, and paying for and, and leveraging their social capital, cap, capital to project themselves exactly as Sirach put it over 2,000 years ago. And then to make sure we're fulfilling the fear of the Lord thing at the end of it, we even show up to church on Sunday. But when we look at this and we stack this form of Beatitudes up against Jesus' Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, it looks nothing like this list. John Mark Comer did an extremely loose translation of the Beatitudes, which is worth reading in part here. And I want you to just, as I'm reading this, I want you to recognize how different it is from this list that Sirach gives us. Blessed are the down and out, the unemployed and the underemployed, those getting gentrified, those on the wrong side of globalization, those without a college degree or health insurance, and those who are spiritually simple, who really have very little to offer because they are in the kingdom of God. Blessed are the sad, the depressed, those grieving the death of a loved one, the failure of a marriage, another miscarriage, the pain of your genogram, the racism of our nation, because one day God himself will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Blessed are the quiet, the shy, the socially awkward, the uncool, the badly dressed, people with six followers on Twitter. Because one day they will be free from the tyranny of what others think of them and they will take up their role as a king or queen over God's world. Blessed are the messed up, those who can't get it together, the addicts, the mentally unstable, the overweight, those from abusive homes, for they will one day be so full of God's life that they won't know where to put it. Blessed is the little guy. The people who get stomped on, passed over, and they don't fight violence with violence. One day, 
they will get all that mercy back with interest. Blessed are all the Christians in a post-Christian culture that is hostile to all they believe, even though they are made fun of, looked down on, called stupid, and seen as behind the times. They get to share in the cross-shaped life of Jesus, the kingdom of God. This is Jesus' Beatitudes. And they were subversive then, and they're even more subversive now, especially here in America. What does our Constitution say are our inalienable, inalienable rights? Life, liberty, liberty, and the pursuit of? Or blessedness? As Joy said two weeks ago, these are the waters that we swim in every day here. Our American narrative is based on this pursuit of happiness, what Richard Rohr calls the folly of the winner's script, an upward mobility narrative that convinces us that as life goes on, we should expect to become more and more and more blessed. The best college, the right job, the best marriage, more promotions, a better house, well-adjusted kids, the perfect retirement, and on and on and on. But we know, if we're being honest with ourselves, that it does not work that way. And when we get some of these things that we think are going to be blessings for us, we realize that we are not necessarily blessed in them. The winner script makes us suspicious of Jesus' words. I was talking with my 12-year-old son about the Beatitudes, and, 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 and I was reading him Comer's translation here, and he said, but wait, if the poor and the meek and the mourning are blessed, I hope that doesn't mean that I'm not blessed. I mean, I want to be blessed too. Oh. Even at a young age, that upward mobility is ingrained in him and it's ingrained in you and it's ingrained in me and it's gross <laughs> and it's sad and it's not biblical. So I answered my son the same way that I'll answer you this morning. Jesus redefines blessing. Blessing doesn't come from the carefully curated social media feed or the stuff that we have or the upward mobility that we're on, the winner's script. Blessing is a salutation that God gives us when we name him as king of our lives. And your earthly hashtag blessings get you no closer to God's Markarios. I just returned from a weekend with our confirmands in Chicago and and in the span of just a few minutes, we drove the, the mag mile and the overt hashtag blessing message that was blaring there. But we also shook the hands of homeless people and drove on the west side and, 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 and sat next to the oppressed and the impoverished and the mentally unstable and the refugee in the morning. And they were, they were so clearly objects of God's markarios, even though they had little if nothing to offer. The tough reality for some of us here today is that the poor and the meek and the mourning and the messed up and the persecuted and the hated are probably more likely to reach out and put Jesus on the throne of their lives on a daily basis because they don't have layers of the pseudo-blessings to sift through in the ways that we do. Think of it this way. The poor came to Jesus and they walked away still poor, but they also walked away blessed. The meek 
came to Jesus and they were still meek, but they were blessed. Not all the mourners found joy. Not all the messed up found healing. But they did find blessing in Jesus. They found that markarios, that salutation, blessed are you. He is the way for blessing. So for those this morning who are weak, who are messed up, downtrodden, mourning, passed over, depressed, oppressed, despised, markarios, blessings on you from Jesus Christ. Congratulations, blessed are you. He is the king and his kingdom is for you. And for the comfortable, the hashtag blessed, the upwardly mobile, the, multi, the, the multi-filtered ones of us, I say to us, Jesus offers a better kind of blessed if we will name him as our king and live like he's in charge of our lives. So let's do so today so that these words from Jesus don't lose their all-important meaning for us, for our neighbors, and for our world.